This is the SFF Audio Podcast. I'm Scott. And I'm Jesse. And I'm Luke. Hello, guys. Hey, Luke. Hello again. Welcome to the new release cast. Third try, Lucky. Let's do it. (laughs) All right, let's jump in. Uh, From Invenivox, we've got the year's top ten tales of science fiction number two, edited by Alan Castor. Um, A collection of ten stories, obviously. Um, From 2009, um, we've got Erosion by Ian Creasy. As Women Fight by Sarah Genji, A Story with Beans by Stephen Gould, Events Preceding the Helvetican Renaissance by John Kessel, On the Human Plan by Jay Lake, Crimes and Glory by Paul McCauley, Mongoose by Sarah Monette and Elizabeth Baer, Before My Last Breath by Robert Reed, The Island by Peter Watts, and This Peaceable Land or The Unbearable Vision of Harriet Beecher Stowe by Robert Charles Wilson. Hmm. So, looking forward to that one. Yeah, I've heard um, one of the stories in that collection, uh, the Jay Lake story on the human plan. Uh huh. What'd you and think? And it was pretty good. It was pretty good. Good. That's cool. Yeah, um, Alan Castor will be on a future podcast with us talking about that one. We cool. had him on last year um, for the first uh, best of collection. So, all right. Um, from Brilliance Audio, we have Tarnsman of Gore by John Norman. Which is the wow. Gorean Saga number one. And this is an old one, isn't it? Yeah, Gore is a whole, a really old series. Yeah, it says a science fiction cult classic. Tarl What's Cab- a Tarnsman? Um, good question. Sorry. That's a good question. Because I'm just saying, because on Friday night I was playing Boggle and someone said Tarn or something like that. What but I can't remember. His- what a Tarnsman. <laughs> no, but it was something to, I can't remember what it was, but we were like, that's not a word. And he's like, oh, yeah, it is. It's something to do with royalty in the medieval or something like that. And I was like, what? And then someone said, oh, yeah, it was used in this He's a big fan of the Gore series. Huh. Yeah. Wow. Um, well, let's see if it says, it says the in custom this- terminology and imagery depicted in these books is inspired by a related subculture um, called the Goreans. Hmm. It says here... Um, in, in the description, it emerges that Tarl is to be trained as a Tarnsman, one of the most honored positions in the rigid, caste-bound Gorian society. So I don't know if it's based on uh, real life, copyright, well, it's or not. Counter, Counter-Earth is the, is the name of the series, The Chronicles of Counter-Earth. Mm-hmm. I think that's a kind of cool idea. It's it's it sounds to me like a I've I've seen it around and I've never actually read one, but I've seen this book series around forever. Yeah, and it sounds to me kind of like uh, the Edgar Rice Burroughs. Yeah, it's uh, got the style. Boris, uh, you know, Valheo covers. Yeah, Valheo is that how you say his Vallejo? name? Valheo. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That, that's Vallejo. You know, Vallejo. Yeah. Vallejo. He's okay. Peruvian. Gotcha. Uh, it says here 1967 is when uh, this book was originally published. So, very cool. It doesn't have a Boris Vallejo cover on that one. It's got Who's got the publisher? The, uh, Brilliance. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So, this maybe was Audible first? Oh, yeah, it could be. Um, they don't note that on the covers of these. Um, Ralph Lister is the narrator. Okay. All right. Next one is from... Uh, Blackstone Audio. This is a sequel to Hater by David Moody. It's called Dog Blood, 
read by Gerard oh, si- Doyle. This isn't a sequel. This is actually just the continuation yeah. of the story that didn't end. Isn't that what your that's, review was, Jesse? That's it, right. It's it's like get to the final point and then to be continued. I mean, they never spell it out for you in a book uh, series like that, but that's so obvious, right? It's like to be continued. It's not. It's not even pretending to be this story's done. Yeah, it's not like you know. You can just sit this and wrap. You know, it's it's just like this novel was not finished. Um, it's come in next time. I guess that's they they did they do that in movies more often, right? The you know at the end of um, Buckaroo Banzai, they say you know Buckaroo Banzai's adventures will continue in you know the world against <laughs> Buckaroo Banzai against the World Crime League, which of course mm-hmm. never never appears, but um, in this case it has appeared. Dog blood. I have no idea how that title refers to anything in the previous book. Well, let's see. I'm, I'm just scanning this. Uh, should I read the description? Yeah, go for it. Okay, the Earth has been torn apart. Everyone is either human or hater, victim or killer. Major cities have become vast refugee camps where human survivors cower together in fear. Admi- amidst this in- indiscriminate fighting and killing, Danny McCoyne is on a mission to find his daughter, Ellis. Free of inhibitions... Unrestricted by memories of the previous world, and driven by instinct, children are pure haters and might well be the deciding factor in the future of the hater race. But as McCoyne makes his way into the heart of human territory, an incident on the battlefield sets in place an unexpected chain of events, forcing him to question everything he believes he knows about the new order that has arisen and about the dynamic of the hate itself. Yeah, doesn't explain that title either, so... No, um... Uh, I got a couple of comments on the review I posted of the first book, and um, uh, then then we talked about this on a podcast previously. But there was a recent post um, uh, comment post that said that I uh, I was glad to read. It says finally an intelligent review of Hater. I was about to give up searching for one. Bravo, Jesse. Personally, my main problems with Hater, in addition to those you mentioned, and I'm not an American, mind you, are number one: very slow moving plot. If it was well, if it was written well enough, it wouldn't have been a problem. But with Moody, Moody, it is number two. So it's a trilogy. You're not going to get every answer and every conclusion at the end of the first book. But that doesn't mean there shouldn't be any ans- any answers. A good simple ex- example: why the haters are so afraid of the unchanged at first, or at least a description of the narrator experiencing that fear. More importantly, there should have been something interesting at the end of the book, even if not an answer. Number two, weak writing. Number two is again. Number three, weak writing. Moody spoon feeds the reader the narrator's emotions all the time, so to such an extent that uh, I think this is the main reason the POV was Danny, not some elaborate literary, literary technique. Moody simply had no talent in trying to portray emotions through dialogue. Hmm. So um, this this book has a really interesting history. It's one of the few, uh, you know, this hater and this book. Um, he made his own publishing company to produce these mm-hmm. and um, published them on his website. And then he got he sold uh, the movie rights, I think, to Hater and uh, a few other. Actually, one of his other books has been turned into an audio drama and also into a DVD released movie. Um, so he's he's actually you know become successful at it, but uh, probably. The big problem is he's he has lacked the experience of having a, a really competent editor go through and say, you know, this is what's wrong with it. 
Hmm. But I think that's true of a lot of books these days, right? We talked about that before. Yeah, we have. Hmm. Yeah, right. I I think that's what I mentioned before about. Oh no, I can remember. I got into a discussion. Who was the guy who did the the autumn? Was it the autumn rain or something mm-hmm. series? That yeah, you, David was, yeah, yeah. So because he sent me his book to review, but then because of the um, ash cloud and stuff, I didn't manage to pick it up from the post office in time. But we got into a good discussion, and I said I'm just. Uh, you know, and I talked about reading these new books or these first novels from the authors, and like it's obviously a first novel. And I said there should be a rule put in place that when somebody writes their first novel, even if the 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 publishers want to publish it, they shouldn't be allowed to publish it until he writes another or that author he or she mm-hmm. um, writes another at least another two books. You know, and mm-hmm. then they can publish the first one because by that time the author will probably have gone. Oh, wait a second. I actually want to change this round a bit. <laughs> so, uh, so I think that's what I mean. That's a great thing about with with the with the writing that I'm doing is that when I've, you know, my book's not finished, even though it's not finished, it's I mean, even though it's out online and people can read it, but because it's only an ebook format, I can go. Actually, I really need to go do another bit of more editing now on my first novel. Now that I know mm. how to improve it, yeah, you know, but. yeah. Anyway, I think that's what, especially if you're if you're it's your first novel and it's self published, you've got even less experience of of you know of people reviewing your book and editing it and stuff like that. So. Is uh, mm-hmm. Gerald Do- Gerard Doyle the narrator on this? Yes, he is. Uh-huh. Okay, same as Hader. Okay. Yeah, it's a, there's a quote on here from Guillermo del Toro. Mm-hmm. Hader will haunt you long after you read the last page. Mm. <laughs> All right. Okay, again from Blackstone Audio, Borders of Infinity, a Miles Verkosigan adventure. And I think this one finally completes everyone that's currently out there. This is a, uh, um, I think this it's is a the collection last one that needed to be an audio version. Yeah, I think it's got three, yeah, here it is. It's got three stories in it uh, The Mountains of Morning, Labyrinth, and, well, two. I thought I had three. Um, but anyway, this was the last one that I, I don't know think of. they're actually. I don't even think they're very short stories. I think they're more like novella length. Yeah, like yeah. novella length. The whole yeah. thing is nine and a half hours. Yep. Read by yes, Grover like Gardner. So that completes. Uh, I think that's the low. first Vercorsigan uh, book I actually read. Um, I got the reader's chair version of that that oh, book you're holding. Gosh, I love the reader's chair versions. That's too. Bad. Yeah, they were really. It was a great little company and. Yeah. I was sad to see them go. Well, who's the narrator on this? Um, Grover Gardner. He did oh, all. Yeah, of them. He, yeah. So he did the entire series for uh, he's, Blackstone. He's a great narrator. Yeah, yeah. The Reader's Chair versions. I listened to Falling Free from Reader's Chair. I remember way back when. That's the only one I haven't heard. Oh, really? Chair, I think. Yeah. yeah. I don't have it anymore. I'd ship it up to you. Oh well. <laughs> a whole bunch I, of I got, I got plenty to. <laughs> Listen to what else? What else have All I got right. to choose from today? All right, we've got from Penguin Audio. <laughs> Just one second. Lots what? of fireworks going off outside. I guess Germany one four one. All right. <laughs> that's carry on. the end of that. Yep. All yeah, right. yeah. That's be that. That's that's over two weeks worth of podcasting from you guys now. That I've <laughs> Fantastic. About the Germany game. Carry on. No, okay. Here we go. Uh, from Penguin Audio, "The Left Hand of God" by Paul Hoffman. Um, you know, I'm assuming. You know, I have not heard of this before, so I'm assuming it's genre, but I haven't actually read the back, so let me take a look. Mm -hmm. Um, In the Redeemer Sanctuary, the stronghold of a secretive sect of warrior monks, torture and death await the unsuccessful or disobedient. Raised by the Redeemers from early childhood like hundreds of other young captives, Thomas Kale has known only deprivation, punishment, and grueling training. He doesn't know what 
He doesn't know that another world exists outside the fortress walls, or even that secrets he can't imagine lurk behind the sanctuary's many forbidden doorways. He doesn't know that his master, Lord Bosco, and the sanctuary's high redeemers have been preparing a holy war for centuries, a holy war that is now imminent. And Kale doesn't know that he's been noticed and quietly cultivated. It says, Then Kale decides to open a door. It's a door that leads to one of the Redeemer's darkest secrets and a choice that is really no choice at all, certain death or daring escape. Sounds so, really, like from that, I can't really tell. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm assuming it's a fantasy. Um, Sounds a bit like crusades going on and stuff or whatever it is. Yeah, it? yeah. But I, I can't tell if it's set in present day or... The cover it's has a, a series. It's a series. Mm-hmm. We warrant. It's a series. <laughs> series warning. Series warning. <laughs> yeah, that's spoiler oh, yeah. warning. Uh, series warning. Oh, I. Oh no, I haven't done this. This is really bad, actually. That I, I need to do. Get. I finished a book like two weeks ago on audio, which is the um, Patrick Rothfuss's Name of the Wind, ah. and I knew it was going to be the first book in the series, but I didn't realize it was going to be really like that. But yeah, um, that's one of those books that you get to the end. And it is good, you know, like you were saying before, that you needed something to wrap it up at the end. Uh, no, who was that? No, that was the person reviewing your review. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, saying saying that you really need a book to be wrapped up or at least something interesting to happen at the yeah. end. And thankfully, it did, something did interesting happen at the end of that. But it still surprised me actually how little of the story that we got through in there. But I'll do the full review on my own podcast. But mm-hmm. yeah, series warning, series warning. <laughs> so here's, an, here's another series. Um We've mentioned before a book called A Local Habitation by, um, you know, I don't know how to pronounce this name. S-E-A-N-A-N. Shannon? Shannon. S-E-A-N-A-N. How would you pronounce Shannon. that? Shannon. Shannon? Shannon McGuire. Shannon McGuire. Um, anyway. Sounds local- like two people. I'm yeah. Sean. I'm McGuire. <laughs> We're Shannon McGuire. <laughs> <laughs> you bet. Um a local habitation uh, came in a while back, and now they've gone back and done the first one, um, and there's only two out now, and this one's called Rosemary and Rue, an October Day novel performed by Mary Robinette Cole. Oh. Um, the world of fairy never disappeared. It merely went into hiding, continuing to exist parallel to our own. Secrecy is the key to fairy survival, but no secret can be kept forever, and when the fae and mortal worlds collide, changelings are born. So October Day is a half-human, half-fay. Urban fantasy warning. Yep, urban, <laughs> urban fantasy series, yeah. Um, hey, it's not a warning, that's a, that's a feature. It's just it? a yeah, feature. It's a feature, right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, but as soon as, someone say, as soon as someone says fay instead of fairy, I'm just like, just call them fairies. If they're going to be fairies or elves, just call them that. <laughs> that would be a really fay thing to do. Right. Oh, uh, okay. Okay, now let's look at this stack I've got from Audio Realms. Um, one of our favorite publishers. That was Blackstone, right? The yeah. uh, local habitation. No, it was actually Brilliance. Oh, okay. Yep. All right, from Audio Realms, Clark Ashton Smith, Double Shadow. Right, yeah, he, uh, Fred Godsmark was telling telling us that he was going to send a stack of stuff. Yeah, yeah, we sure He's did. He's been busy working on all sorts of stuff there. Yeah. So the so, first one was, what? I'm it's sorry? Called, it's Clark Ashton Smith. Ah. Um, Double Shadow is the name of the audiobook. And let's see. The Double Shadow was originally published by the Auburn Journal in 1933. Um, it's a collection of six stories ranging from contemporary horror to weird alternate world fantasy. Let's see. The Voyage of 
King Lavoran, the Maze of the Enchanter, the Double Shadow, a Knight in Malniant, the Devotee of Evil, and the Willow Landscape. Yeah, he's Clark. sort of an H.P. Lovecraft contemporary, uh, writing in uh, the exact same, you know, sort of feel as mm-hmm. him. Okay. Read by Steve Cooper. Cool. Okay. Got a collection of weird tales um, from Audio Realms again. Um, let's see. The stories in this collection are selected Weird Tales issues number 336 and 337 and 338. It contains Ripper by William F. Nolan, Shore of Night, Shore of Day by Katrian Rutten, Hearts and Minds by Barbara Kransoff, The Ghost of Me by Melinda Thielbar, The Sacerdotal Owl by Michael Bishop, Sympathy for Dragons by John Gregory Betancourt. The Upper Birth by F. Marion Crawford. This is read by Wayne June and others. Wayne June's great. Yep, Wayne June's fantastic narrator. Super scary voice. Yep, <laughs> scary voice. All right, Algernon Blackwood, The Empty House and Other Ghost Stories. Um, cool. Let's see, this was originally published in 1906. It was Blackwood's first collection. It includes such classics as The Title Story, A Haunted Island, a Suspicious Gift, and many more. Um, six hours long. Who's the narrator? Um, Brian Halsopple. Oh, yeah. Um, he did the um, the Conan. No, it wasn't Conan. It was a Robert E. Howard collection that, that uh, was done for um, uh, Fred Godsmark as well. Mm-hmm. There's a um, quote here from H.P. Lovecraft that says that Blackwood is the one absolute and unquestioned master of weird atmosphere. Yeah, he he's done a bunch of stories. I, I heard a really terrific one uh, from BBC, um, uh, got it off Radio Archives, uh, called The Willows. Mm-hmm. Very scary. Cool. Creepy. Creepy. All right, um, here's a novel called The Things That Are Not There by C.J. Henderson. Um, That's a really cool title. Yeah, yeah, it is. (laughs) Um, Private detective Teddy London ran the best one-man agency in New York City. At least he did until a demon-driven storm trashed his operation. Ready to quit the business, suddenly fate delivered a beautiful woman to his doorstep one being pursued by an army of winged monsters determined to use her as the key to unlock a doorway that will lead the entire world to madness. With only a Don't 38, open that door! Yeah, with only a 38 named Betty and a blade named Veronica, Teddy <laughs> London gathers those few should, oh, few should capable, uh, I'm not sure what that says, of weathering the terror ahead. It is a battle for the fate of humanity, one they know they will not all survive. It's uh, it's always a good sign when the man has named his weapons. You bet. <laughs> uh, right. Oh, I like Charles that. McKibben. Sally here is going to make make uh, m- kiss you a few times. Here, are you ready? Here, here it comes. Here she comes. Vera, Vera is my favorite gun. <laughs> yeah, from Firefly. Happiness is a warm gun. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we reviewed a C.J. Henderson's uh, novel on the website. Uh, one of our reviewers did it. Okay, here's another one called uh, well, Ganji, G-O-N-J-I, Book 1, Red Blade from the East, read by uh-huh. Brian Halsopple uh, and written by T.C. Rypel. It, it looks that, very, very Conan actually, on the cover. Yeah, he's serializing that on his website. Um, oh. 
giving out uh, free samples. You have to keep coming back to get more. Okay. On the Audio Realms website. Uh, cast out from his Japanese homeland, Ganji, the samurai warrior, journeyed across barbaric Europe in his quest for the Death Wind to a distant city in the loftiest peaks of the Transylvanian Alps. Ceaselessly fighting the hated plague and hostile peasants, Ganji struggled to reach the mighty walls of majestic Ved- Vedun. But demons and dragons, mages and monsters, pursued the warrior across the wintry plains in the jagged mountains. His swords flashing with fury, Ganji battles his foes, and battled his foes and strengthened his will, determined to conquer his hardships and fulfill his destiny. Yep, looks like a Conan cover on it on the front, but it's Oriental. Yeah, it's set in uh, set well from Japan. Sort of, um, it's kind of a, I guess a. An anti Marco Polo. <laughs> <laughs> Alright. Something like that. It, it comes the other way and kills people? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think so. Right. Alright, now here's another one. It's called Hunt Through the Cradle of Fear. Now, this is the one that I'm kind of getting excited about. It's actually a series called Hunt for Adventure. And it's by the guys, uh, Charles Ardai. Is the guy who came up with the idea behind this, and that name may be familiar to you if you are aware of the Hard Case Crime series. Mm-hmm. Hard Case Crime is an imprint of Dorchester Publishing, and it's basically old and new crime novels uh, that are either hard boiled or noir, or you know the Stephen King uh, one that you did a long time ago that was yeah. from hard case time mm-hmm. that's part of the series but it didn't really represent it very well the, the series is very noir and boy, hard boiled um but this series is sort of their follow up to the idea of you know a crime series they've got a an adventure series and it's you know in the style of the destroyer or um uh, there's a bunch of other sort of manly... It's almost like a possible, like an Indiana Jones type exactly, of cover. Exactly. Uh-huh. Uh, it's called Through the Cradle of Fear, is it? Yeah, Through the Cradle of Fear. Cool. Um, it says, uh, backed by the resources of the $100 million Hunt Foundation and armed with his trusty Colt revolver, Gabriel <laughs> Hunt has always been ready for the same anything. book as before. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but he is prepared to enter the Cradle of Fear. When a secret chamber is discovered inside the Great Sphinx of Egypt, the mystery of its contents will lead Gabriel to a remote Greek island, to the to a stone fortress in Sri Lanka, and to a deadly confrontra- confrontation that could decide the fate of the world. Yeah, so it's yep. it's written by as as by Gabriel Hunt, uh-huh. right? Yep. But <laughs> that's the main character. Oh, right? I see. Uh-huh. So. Um, it's written. It's, so who's it really written by? Yeah, it says, or is it a collection uh, of people? It says um, this tale of Gabriel Hunt was penned with the kind assistance of Edgar and Seamus Award-winning uh, writer Charles Ardai of Hard hmm. Creator, Hard Case Crime. So he just wrote it. But um, subsequent books in the series are by other authors. Um, uh, so Krista Faust, who is a terrific writer of um, crime fiction. She wrote uh, Money Shot and a sequel that's coming out um, uh, for Hard Case Crime uh, is writing one of the books in the series or has written one of the books in the series. And this could be really fun. If the first one's good, I'm going to be looking forward to, you know, it's it's sort of a uh, unabashed uh, adventure series. Really cool idea. Good. 
I really like that. Yeah, old-fashioned, old-fashioned feeling. It reminds me of the the idea that they have. Uh, no, who was it? You know, with the with the with the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy follow up, not by Douglas Adams, but they are actually saying, "Oh, we're going to see if we can get other people to like play around in this universe with these characters," you know, and actually get some some more. So it won't be like it will be like Douglas Adams is this, but written by this person, you know, and get some different yeah. sort of comedy, you know, writers or science fiction, you know, writers. And I think that's actually quite a good idea. I mean, I mainly because I, I thought that the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxies went downhill a long time. Indeed. Well, quite soon after the first book. and mm. um, I think this is more in the tradition of, like, the, you know, Doc Savage is... Yeah, like a shared world. Like, uh, yeah. but, but really, it's a whole bunch of people under one house name, right? That's what Nancy Whereas, Drew is like as well. Yeah, exactly. Um, all those series books were... I don't know why I use that example. But in this case, what, what, what I like is that you know who actually wrote them, Right. You actually will find out who wrote them, and ah, okay. so uh, if you're a fan of that author, um, so it says you know the another one in the series uh, by Gabriel Hunt and James Reisner. Well, mm. James Reisner is the only author because Gabriel Hunt doesn't exist, right? Um, yes, another mm. Nicholas Kaufman, right? Um, so there are other authors in this series who uh, there's the Krista Faust one, Beyond the Frozen Fire, and. She she uh, she's a real hot writer to watch. I think um, it looks like they've got half a dozen out so far, mm-hmm. and this is the first audiobook. So I'm I'm really excited about the prospect of hearing this one. All right, great. Well, here's another one you'll be excited about. Okay. Um, People of the Dark: The Weird Works of Robert E. Howard, Volume yep. Two. Yep. Volume Two. So this one has uh, let's see it continues to offer many of Howard's work from the classic magazine Weird Tales meticulously restored to its original texts. This volume contains People of the Dark, Queen of the Black Coast, The Garden oh, of Fear, The Haunter of the Ring, The Valley, uh, Valley of the Worm, The Challenge from Beyond, and includes some of his famous heroes, such as Conan. Yeah. The, uh, Doing um, weird things or just normal things? Because Queen of the Black Coast is, um, is uh, the controversial story that uh, they... Tried to shut down and can't stop. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Cool. Okay. Uh, Wayne um, June. Read by, Brian, yeah, Hall, it's Hall, read by Wayne June, Brian Hallsupple, Gary Cobbler, Bob Barnes, and Charles McKibben. That's cool that they've done a, a bunch of different people. That's that's mm-hmm. really cool. I think the uh, previous volume um, was mixed as well, but more it was almost all Brian Hallsupple. So hey, who's a good narrator? But it's nice to have different narrators in a collection of shorts mm-hmm. uh, gives you some variety to the the listening experience right okay um next up um again from we're still on the audio realms um mm-hmm. castaways by brian green they came to the lush deserted island to compete on a popular reality tv show each one hoped to be the last to leave now they're just hoping to stay alive it <laughs> seems the island isn't deserted after all Contestants and crew members are disappearing, but they aren't being eliminated by the game. They're being taken by the monstrous half-human creatures that live in the jungle. Mm. The men will be slaughtered, the women will be kept alive as captives. Night is falling, the creatures are coming, and rescue is far away. And, uh, see, it's read by Maynard McKillen. Hmm. Okay, so, let's see, it's about eight hours long. That's uh, that's probably what should happen to most people who are on those kinds of shows. 
chewed up by real animals rather than chewing on, I don't know, dead bugs or whatever it is uh-huh. they're forced to chew on. All right. Okay, and then last up from Audio Realms is A Princess of Mars uh, by oh. Edgar Rice Burroughs. So they uh, jumped into there. Um, now this is coming out as a movie, I think, next year. Yeah, it's a, it's a Disney one directed by the guys who did Wally. Um, yeah, it's like I think it's one of these mixed live action. No, what do they call it? Performance capture kind of things. I'm not yeah. sure how it's working. Something like that. Eh? Yeah. I hope it's cool. But it's not called A Princess of Mars. It's called John Carter of Mars. I, oh, I've heard. That? So okay. yeah, yeah. Because A Princess of Mars, it, it's always a bit of a strange title because it's not. You know, it's well. That's because not, you know afterwards he finds out that it's going to be a great series. He's got to yeah. name it that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So this has been released several times. Uh, Brian Halsopel read it. Did I mention that? So. <laughs> yeah. Um, yep. But anyway, good deal. It's got a cool looking cover on it. It's got a picture of the Earth on it on the. Front. Oh, I'm yeah. looking at the website and it's got a picture of a princess of Mars with um, sort of a uh, the style Red Sonia style um, oh. armor, which is, you know. More revealing than protective. <laughs> Which is awesome. Uh-huh. <laughs> Chicks and Chainmail was a whole series of uh, books based on just that concept. Chicks and Chainmail. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Chainmail right. isn't very flattering. Well, it, when, when it's strategically placed and there's not much of it, it doesn't, you know, it's yeah. like Chainmail bikini. You know, once I actually I made an entire um, outfit of Chainmail. <laughs> It's one of those things. Like it's like extremely uh, down to in, each individual individual link. I'd get the 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 uh, wire, and then I'd wrap the wire and snip the wire, and so it's on these little links, and then link them all together into oh, you know, with pliers and stuff like that. Yeah, it took me a good few months, but I made an entire hauberk and coif out of <laughs> chainmail. Wow. Um, yeah. what, what I'm the, not even that interested in it. It was just one of those things that you sort of start and then you go, oh, I'll make something like this. Mm-hmm. It, actually, what I wanted to do was make some chainmail juggling balls. And then I was like, oh, this is really And it, it was a lot of fun making these chainmail juggling balls. And then I uh, decided just to do the full project. And it was way too much time. But when you start something like that, you go, oh, I'll just finish it. What happened to your chainmail? Oh, it's just sitting in my parents. It's too heavy to take anywhere because it's so it's so heavy. If I wanted Won't to fly let you on it, the airplane, come on. Well, because well, I would have to wear it, you know. Otherwise, it would cost like an entire bag's worth. Yeah, you know, it's like really heavy. Of course, when you're wearing it, it doesn't feel that heavy because it's spread out over your whole yeah. body. But um, but yeah, it's not that flattering because it sort of it does sort of like hug you. Well, it's a bit. <laughs> <laughs> right. Anyway, just thought you just I'd... have to check the check the uh, pole arms before you climb on the airplane. Go through the metal detector, and yeah, I think they'd be like, "Do you have any metal on you?" Mm, no. <laughs> just, just the shirt, just the shirt. Just, yeah. yeah, it's like yeah, I could take it off, but the thing is, just to take it off is a bit of a thing. Anyway, it's a bit strange. <laughs> well, let's see. I'm looking at a John Ringo novel here next, and uh, I don't think chainmail would help you against the guy that's on the cover of this thing. Oh yeah, it's some kind of a reptilian dude with uh, very sharp teeth. Uh, it's called Gust Front. By John Ringo, and, and I'm wondering if this is a stand. Nope, it's not a standalone. The legacy of um, I can't quite make it out. It's really small. Something that starts with an A. Al <laughs> Aldenata. Aldenata. It looks like. Albia. Okay. <laughs> Number two. This is the second book. Um, the aliens had arrived with gifts, warnings, and an offer we couldn't refuse. 
So it's a military SF novel from John Ringo. Aldinta. 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 Okay. Aldinta. It's, Fancy uh, that, John Ringo it's, doing it's, military it's, science fiction. <laughs> yeah. What? Uh, it's impossible. Oh, and is then, it? Is this sort of like warning military science fiction? Yeah. Uh, military uh, science fiction warning. <laughs> well, here's another one. Uh, book five, also from Brilliance. Book five of the Honor Harrington series, um, which has been recommended to me a couple of times. Um, so maybe someday some I'll of the try paper. it out. Um, it's called Flag in Exile, performed by Allison Johnson. Um, Honor Harrington Must Die, book five of the best-selling Honor Harrington series. Hounded into retirement and disgrace by political enemies, cut to the heart by the murder of a man she loved, which is probably a spoiler for a previous one, <laughs> and a bereft of confidence in herself and her abilities, Captain Honor Harrington has retreated to the planet Grayson to take up a role at Steadholder while she tries to heal her bitter wounds. I think in a series you can't have happily ever after. Uh-huh. So yep. as long as you know it's a series, you know that they're going to have a breakup and then a reuniting and a breakup and a reuniting uh-huh. or something like that, right? And a, and a death, a heartless death. Sure. Yep. But And a rebirth later. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Depends on how long the series has to go. <laughs> um, on the Aldenata Al, Al, Al series, um, it's it's... Eldenata is actually how it is in one place, another one it was spelled differently. Um, just going back to that, it says, A mysterious elder race, the, they created the Galactic Society and then vanished without a trace, apparently having transcended the need for material bodies. Uh, the glossary in Yellow Eyes describes the Eldenta somewhat disparagingly as Galactic transi- Transes, largely disappeared from the galactic scene in sheer funk and shame at the damage they had despite done despite their intentions it sounds it sounds kind of like you know a lot of the like i'm i just started playing mass effect mm-hmm. i had a sale on steam five dollars for mass effect so i had to buy it wow um and it's the same thing it's the you know we're out in space we're conquering new planets and uh the MacGuffin is uh, old elder race technology mm-hmm. right yeah um it's not anything new, but if if it's done entertainingly, I guess you can't slide it, slide them for it, right? Sure. Yep. My Xbox uh, is uh, my Xbox should be back soon. Oh, I, got, I got an email that says my Xbox is on the way back. So. Uh, it, Elder Race has um, a, a huge list under Wikipedia of different um, uh, you know examples, Revelation Space and. Uh, Transformers, H.P. Lovecraft. Um, I-, I was just thinking, um, Frederick Pohl has one, the Heechee, right? Yeah, the Gateway. Yeah. Gateway. Yeah. Well, they shouldn't leave all that stuff lying around. That's all I say. <laughs> <laughs> no, the thing is, I really quite enjoy like the big dumb object kind of science fiction where it's like, oh, what's this going on here? You know, yeah. not quite. What, what is it? Yeah. When it's done well, it's like I really enjoy it. Yeah, me too. It's yeah. It's 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 something. Um, uh, I'm. I I would like to know if there is a you know galactic spanning civilization story other than say Foundation um, that has aliens in it, but that doesn't have you know. Uh, Battles. No, no, no. That doesn't have this background of of you know. There's an elder race that we don't know much about in the archaeology. The Xenu. I mean, Babylon Five is full of that, right? The Xeno archaeologists discover something 
Yeah, Alistair Reynolds is uh, a Revelation Space. Oh no, you, that you just mentioned that. Didn't yeah, you? yeah. Okay. Larry yeah, so Nevin's that's very much known. Space. space has the yeah, outsiders true. and you know uh, the pack and you know it's it's sort of you know unavoidable really. Uh, Andre Norton's Forerunner series. There's there's just endless examples uh, of it. Oh, it says the Protheans are the character, the people in the Mass Effect series. So it's um it's it's sort of like you know if you're going to have a galactic civilization, you just have to have an elder race that is long ago and maybe appears later on in the you know mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. the stories. And it turns out that they uplifted us all, and you're like, oh. yeah. And then you say, that's like you know, that's the that's the that's actually where I was going to go with this is that um, you know it's just a it's really not looking at the the hard problem, which is uh, if they uplifted us all, who uplifted them, right? If you start down, yeah, that it's game, like that sort of it's, god. It's just a god replacement, isn't it? It's like, yeah, oh, and god. it's not a it's not a good one because you just sweep it away, right? You say life didn't yeah. start here on Earth. Great. Where did it start? Well, elsewhere. Well, where did that start? Oh, elsewhere. And you keep sweeping around, right? It's not actually, mo- you know, moving. It's not yep. moving the ball forward towards the net. It's just moving the ball back and forth or around the. Yeah, I think uh, Jesse side. just used a, a football analogy. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, uh, well, I should I, have some no, kind of a. a <laughs> I should have some kind of a buzzer for that. Yeah. Yeah. The thing is, that I always find a bit weird about these. Is that I? I what is it? There's the. Um, I read these science fiction books and they're always like, oh, and we're going to do this. And where did life come from? Oh, well, this previous universe was set up to make sure life was more prevalent in the next universe or something like that. They fashioned the end of the it's universe. It's an interesting to, idea, but... It's an interesting idea, but it's I, it's come up so many times. Yeah. Or, you know, I've read it so many times, but the, the actual idea itself doesn't... I don't, fi- I don't find it that intellectually appealing or even, sci- you know, not even scientific, like science fictionally kind of you know appealing. What? I'm looking at this list and I would say the majority of these are not actually books. They're actually, uh, you know, sort of derivative science fiction in the sense that they're movies or they're games, a lot of games. What's the list? Uh, I'll send you the link here. It's an yeah. elder race list um, uh, okay. from Wikipedia. And it starts with builders from the Heritage Universe. Arthur C. Clarke has the creators of the monolith, right? Yeah, um, that makes sense. Some I don't know that one. Uh, Sid Meier, uh, Sid Meier's Alien Crossfire. Um, don't know that. Sid Meier's is uh, you know, oh, he didn't even make games, computer games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, he's got the first ones from Babylon Five, uh, the Vok from Transformers Beast Wars. Uh, yeah, this is not a lot of... Uh... Terry oh, Pratchett's yeah. The Dark Side of the Sun. Yeah, I actually quite like that book. I think. Jokers. Um, Guardians of the Universe in DC Comics. Um... But what I really like about... If you've ever read... Um, when you when you read um, Alistair Reynolds' uh, books, if you read the uh, Revelation... No, not Revelation. Uh, the Redemption... No, no, no. Not even the Redemption Art. Which one's called? Absolution Gap. Mm-hmm. That one. When you read that, you realize there's actually... There is this going on, but there's two really clever twists in it, which is what Alistair Reynolds does normally does quite well in his books. He's like, aha, and you thought it was this, but then it's this. And actually this as well. Inhibitors and wolves and all this. in Revelation. Yeah, yeah. Place, it says. yeah they, have the inhi- they have the inhibitors, but there's, um, there's, there's another one as well. There's the, uh, in the, like I say, uh, as, the, as the series continues, um, uh, yeah, y- y- you find out that one of these is slightly different. And is more dangerous than the rest, and it's really clever. 
So Frederick Paul has uh, Frederick Paul has the Heechi, and Stephen Baxter has the Zeely. Yeah, I always get those two mixed up. And David Brin has the progenitors in the Uplift series. Yeah, but that's the whole that's the whole point. Yeah, of at least there that. you've got the the you know humans are doing it, and yeah, maybe it's not so. just something that they discover at the end with the sort of like the amateur cosmology. They did it kind even of in section. Star Trek: The Next Generation, and I, I just yeah. started shaking my head. You know, don't bring attention. You don't lampshade the fact that everybody is, uh, you know, just a human with a you know foam on his forehead or whatever. You know, don't bring attention to that because that's probably the worst aspect of, you know, Star Trek being actual science fiction is everybody is just a human with, you know, spotted skin yep. or something. Yeah. Hey, where's a good place to jump into the Alistair Reynolds books? Do you just start at the at the beginning, at the very yeah. first one? The well, he has space? he has different rules. Let me do my, some of my um, new arrivals. In other words, okay. books oh, that I have sure. to let me do this. Let me just bring up. Oh, I'll, I'll actually just bring up on Goodreads.com. Okay, currently reading show all ten. There's ten books I'm currently reading, which is means six books that I'm not going to finish. <laughs> so okay. <laughs> No, no, I, I, it says here, no, there's like Doomsday Book, and it says on page one of 578, I'm not going to finish that book. In fact, it was, I was listening to it, tried to listen to it on audiobook, and I page just deleted it. Page one of 578. Yeah, well, I never, I, I listened to it for a bit. I probably got a few chapters in. I got quite a few chapters in, but I thought I didn't know. So there's other bits. And there's still Smoke by Donald E. Westlake, which I'm never going to finish. I should oh, just, so sad. I'm going to, I need to, I need to put a, a different shelf on goodreads.com, which has started, but probably not going to finish. And also, the, um, the, Arkady and Boris Strogetsky. I got this great email just before about someone who said, oh yeah, I was also reading the... Uh, let me see who, who this email was. Um, uh, this one, some guy called Christopher sent me an email yesterday or today or something earlier today. Um, and he was talking also about reading like the final circle of paradise and just going what <laughs> don't really and even he said all the way through to the end it's like it's you just can't connect with it because it's the book is alien because it's from a different culture and stuff like that no anyway let me say so i've got house of sons by alistair reynolds someone just mentioned that to me and i was just like have you and they said have you ever read it and i'm just like i'm just downloading it now and i got the message since we started recording this podcast and it's already on my computer so i decided to listen to that so spontaneous thing house of sons is isn't from the revelation space um, series. It's not in that series. It's in a different setup. It's in a different world. And I don't think I've ever read and I think it's the first one in that series. So not all of Anna Reynolds' stuff is set in the same universe, but a lot of it is. Whatever you do, do not read Century Rain because it's just <laughs> terrible. I mean, I'm not even kidding that it's slightly... But it's one of the things that you just think everything that I like about Anna, Alistair Reynolds, he's done the opposite and put it in a book and then released it under his name. It's sort of like, yeah, that's, that's terrible. Um, another good place to read is actually is, is some of the sh- collections of the shorter stories that he had. The Diamond Dogs, Turquoise Days. Is There's two really good like novellas there. So if you read one of them and you don't like it, read the other one. And if you don't like that either, you, pro- you might not like The Revelation Space. But I think both of those stories are pretty good. Um, okay. But yeah, Alison Reynolds is definitely worth reading. Just start with Revelation Space. It's quite long on audio. It's like 28 hours. I think hours you actually sent that to me already, Scott. I did, yeah. Because I, I started to listen to House it. Which one? Revelation, Revelation Space. Space. Oh. Yeah. oh, it's quite a dense book, but it's like one of those books, it's like all plot. It's like yeah. everything that's going on. It's like you can't not listen to one sentence because every single thing that Alistair Reynolds ever mentions in any of his books, it's going to pay off later, which is 
amazing when you read it. And like, unlike the the book that we reviewed on last on the last episode, um, which was the Stars My Destination, he's like, this happened. Ah, and why did it do that? Well, three months before he did this. You know, none of that at all in any of Alistair Reynolds' books. Um, it's 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 everything set up, and it's it's. I always find like the the machine that he builds with his plots is very interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think I, I would enjoy him more in print, so I need to try it. But oh, yeah. I, did, I did start to I, listen to Revelation Space, but uh, didn't get very far with it. Um, by the way, uh, Luke and I were talking <coughs> yesterday, and um, we happened on the fact that uh, Audible has released uh, two new Larry Niven audiobooks. Oh, really? Uh, Footfall just came out yep. on oh. the 22nd. That's Niven yeah. and Pornell. Yeah, yeah Niven and yep. Pornell, and the second one, Oath of the Fealty, also Niven oh, and Pornell. Also Niven and Pornell, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm pretty excited about both of those. But Footfall is 24 hours. Yeah. Oath See, I, Fealty, I really, I really loved, I mean, I read it so long ago, I really loved Lucifer's Hammer. Um, That's the, my been, next new arrival. Oh, I, I just got that oh. as well. Yeah, I was. This is probably why uh, Jesse brought it up because I was talking mm-hmm. to him last night on Skype. Uh-huh. But yeah, so that's another one. Again, it's a, a book that I've read before, but you know, it's a it's a classic. Well, I say it's yeah. like a Did modern you like classic. It? Did you, you like know? it before? You must yeah, have, you must have, or you wouldn't have been reading it again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I just like the. I mean, there's the three of their novels that they wrote together, Larry Niven and Joe Pornell, and I, I always think it's like you know, it's Footfall, Boat in God's Eye, and Lucifer's Hammer, and. They've written some other books as well. I think there's the the um, Fallen Angels book as well. Uh, Fallen Angels, yeah. Yeah, that's with someone else as with well. Michael Flynn. Yeah, yeah, that, Michael Flynn. Yeah, Michael Flynn as well. Oh, he did uh, he did uh, Eiffelheim, which yeah. is another book that I have here, which I'm not going to finish. Well, actually, no, that's a book where I started it and I've got halfway through, and one part of the story is interesting, and another part of the story is just rubbish. I mean, it's just pathetic how badly it's written. So it's like in the uh, present day and in the past. Yeah, a bit yeah. like Doomsday Book, and it's, it's really weird that one of them—they're both set in the one of them is part of them is set in the plague time in like the 12th century or 13th century or whenever it is. No, 14th century, 1300s, maybe 1300s. I can't remember what century they go back to, but they both go back to the same place. And there's someone in the, in the uh, in the in the future who goes back, but in Eiffelheim, it doesn't look like that happens. But there is a an alien landing in germany and the black forest in germany and that whole idea it, the, the start of it's really good mm-hmm. um and i almost don't want the other part which is set in the real world to exist and that it exists is sort of spoiling the the original part but you know i started reading this like last year sometime so i but i will get to it and finish it but it it's it's on my book of currently reading but a long way down but i'll get to it i think mm-hmm. if we're um, talking uh, new releases as well or recent yeah. rivals i've got um I got a uh, copy of the Chrysalids. Uh, I actually didn't know it was available on Audible. I, I, I wrote to Steve Feldberg and said, hey, you guys should really do the Chrysalids. And he says, yeah, we did it in the, back in December. So, uh, Oh, and then it came out. <laughs> it, it, no, it, it, it came out back in December. I just didn't notice somehow. So um, I, I was asking him to do it, and he actually had done it. So um, I've finished that, and I will have a review up shortly. I think, uh, Luke, you just... Did the review on it short? Short not that on long chrysalids. Ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I read the book though. I, it's in my. Um, I know an omnibus that I have here. Um, Anything so, else, Scott? Um, oh, I hadn't finished. No, yeah, but, go ahead and let Luke finish. Yep. Okay. Uh, two books which more. not 
Yeah, not from Audible. These are these are just normal paper books. One is Ubik by um, Philip K. Dick, mm-hmm. uh, but it is it is appropriate because the reason I'm reading this, or I'm going to read this, is I think it's the final one of the um, science fiction and politics uh, thing. So that's that's like the final one there. Uh, that's the Ubik podcast part, you're talking. Yeah, about. that's the, yeah of the pod. It's the final book that he does in the in the podcast from the recorded spring ninety no two thousand nine. So. Again, read it before, and I want to go back to it. And someone said, again, a bit of spoiler for two things here, if you've read it or if you've seen it. Someone said, oh, yeah, they just did that in Lost. Now, I'm not going to watch the end of, all the way through to the end of Lost, but uh, I'll see how it goes, you know, actually, if there is any connections between Ubik and Lost. Um, is so it was, Ubik yeah. or Ubik? Ubik. I think. I always thought of it as like ubiquitous, not ubiquitous, oh. but I, I don't know. We'll you know, see how it goes. And final thing, which is from the Geek Nights podcast. They do a book club, and this time out, and I've read most of the, uh, some, some of the fiction books that they've recommended. Some of them I've really enjoyed. Uh, they were the ones who uh, mentioned the, the darkness that comes before, which was really good. But this time it's the, another fantasy book called The Lies of Loch Lamora, or Loch Lamora. Mm, yeah, I on. did a review of that, and it's, it's yeah. a pretty amazing uh, first novel of... Um, Scott Lynch. Yeah, Scott Lynch. And uh, there's a follow-up, at least one or two books out now. Yeah, and- uh, but apparently it's, it's another one of these young people doing fantasy, but I'm thinking it's probably going to be the opposite of the name of the wind by Patrick Rothfuss, but again, I, I'm not sure how it's going to work out. But I'm thinking it's 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 going to be like that. Cool. We'll see. Yeah, Thanks. yeah. All right. When well, I've got three more, should I go ahead and finish this yeah, one go out? For it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All that's, right, cool. That's it for me. Okay. So what I've got here is uh, this one's a YA book, um, the Books of Elsewhere. Actually, I think that they've delineated them one more time so there's like middle grade and YA now since YA is mostly about a vampire romance <laughs> <laughs> so I think that they said alright we need uh, we need another th- anyway I've heard the word middle grade now but anyway this has got to be more of that now when 11 year old Olive moves into the crumbling old mansion on Linden Street she's right to think that there's something weird about the place especially the walls covered in creepy antique paintings but when she defines a pair of old-fashioned glasses in a dusty drawer, she discovers a most peculiar thing yet. She can travel inside these paintings to elsewhere, a world that's strangely quiet and eerily sinister. So the book is written, it's called The Books of Elsewhere, The Shadows, by Jacqueline West, read by Lexi Friedel, and it's from Penguin Audio. It's uh, relatively short, five and a half hours. Hmm. Okay, and we have a new... Fantasy from Tracy Hickman. All right. Um, called no, th- this is actually not the one we spoke about. We'll talk about oh. that in a second. But this one's called Song of the Dragon, the Annals of Dracus, Book One, uh, performed by Phil Giganti um, from Brilliance Audio. Um, humans are a nearly extinct minority among the warrior slave races. Their will and memory suppressed by a tyrannical and unstoppable empire of magic wielding elves. But there are legends that tell of another time when humans and the other slave races were free. Tales of a hero who will return one day to lead them in an uprising against their masters. That hero, so the stories say, will be a human named Dracus. So, that is that. So it's the first book of a new fantasy series. Let's see, and it is 15 hours long. 
So it's not it, one it's, of the. It's actually it says it's just coming out in July or June second is one date, and then another date July, twenty ten. So it's a brand new series. Right, right. Uh, the only reviewer up so far, Harriet Klausner. <laughs> She's on the case. Yeah, that's funny. Okay, yeah. What do what you mentioned at the beginning was um, Tracy Hickman's got a uh, well, Tracy and Laura Hickman. They have kind of an experimental, well, I would call it experimental, kind of a new publishing thing they're trying out is uh, basically a four-pay subscription um, fantasy series online. Um, called Eventide. Yeah, it's called Eventide. And uh, I've downloaded the first um, episode, but I have not listened to it yet, so I need to get that heard. Um but uh, they're basically, you know, you, you give them 15 bucks, and then they'll send you this episodic uh, audio um, fantasy series. I, uh, I listened Four to the steps. interview that he did. I listened to the interview that he did with the uh, on the uh, is it Adventures in Science Fiction Publishing or something uh-huh. like that. That's that podcast, <laughs> and it sounded quite interesting because I, I like the idea of having like an episodic. And it's like, oh, this is going to be the story of this person, and this is going to be the story. You know, he, he mentioned that it's going to be stories from the smaller parts of the world rather than it's all. so is it about a, all but that it's it's about a world that he's got going in another series or yeah something? no no it's going to be new series but it's going to be uh it's going to be like a I, I think he's i again this is sort of second hand but i think he said that it's going to be more like it's going to be a a, a st- series of stories which tell a larger story but it's not all the stories of princes and things like this. It's like, okay, the, um, uh, the, I think he said something like that. The, uh, the iron, uh, mongers, uh, you know, the, the, the Smith's, um, son wants to marry the farmer's daughter and she says, Oh, I'll only marry you if you, if you get me this dragon tooth. And it's like, Oh, okay. And, you know, and then it's that, it tells that kind of story. So oh, it's not like mm-hmm. the, not like the big world-changing stories, but more of like the smaller stories, which would probably become legends a thousand years later. Oh, very Maybe. So the, Again. The, the way the website's designed, it, you you subscribe to the series, um, they write it, then they put it online, and then at the end, you get uh, if you've subscribed, you get a copy of the paper book, and there's an audiobook element as well, right? Right. Yep. There's something been similar done before, but I don't think it's been done in this sort of a grand way. It was more of a online ebook subscription, um, uh, and then you know subsequent audiobooks came from that. But it's probably a really good method for series because people who get into the series they you know they want more, but the publisher isn't sure. You know how much are people? You know how many people are going to buy it if we keep making this book? You know, we've seen sales like this. Will it continue to go in this trend or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Um, well, if you yeah. have, if you pre-sell it, right, you know how much you're going to get. And, it's and money the, in the bank. Pre-orders are a bigger and bigger business. I, they're talking about Call of Duty. Um, you know, it's there's so much advertising for the yeah, new Call of Duty right. game, and it's coming out in October. Yeah, right? I, in fact, I was in Call yeah. of Duty. Is that the, is that the modern warfare thing, or is that a different it's one? Just a, it doesn't even have a name, as far as I. Maybe yeah, I was off. in I was in the uh, Best Buy last weekend, and they've got them all packaged that they look like the game, <laughs> but it's a pre-order that you're buying. <laughs> Yeah, you know, so they do all this packaging. Oh, and oh says, so you buy it? Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. No, I remember doing that. They've done that with DVDs and things as well. But for October, 
I mean, that's like months away. If you know you want to buy it, why not? You get a good deal and you make sure that you... It's a multiplayer game. How do I game. know if I want to buy it? It's a multiplayer game, it, isn't it? the name. Yeah, but you'd, like, if a new book from an, an author that I really like came out, I'd be like, yeah, no problem, I'll just buy that. I mean, there's not many authors who I'd do that with. I, w- I would have said a few years ago that Ian M. Banks would have been one of them, but now, I mean, from his latest books, I'm just like, nah. Seriously. Well, I think with this one is your subscription will, will, uh, you know, you, I assume... Well, it's you, ongoing, though, that's yeah. the thing. It's like, you can keep reading it, and then at the end, after you've read it, they, they'll send you the book, or you can wait until the very end, until they finish yeah, writing and it. Yeah, and they'll have already it. sold it to you, and, and then yeah. they can sell it to the publisher, you know, for... You know, you know, we had this reaction, so yeah. Uh, but I think someone like Tracy Hitchens does have that name recognition. Exactly. I'm, I'm not sure that many other people would be in a position where they could do that. But yeah, but I, he I, ne- he never owned his. I mean, he was always writing in other people's universes, wasn't Dragon he? Or maybe not. Other. Not, not uh, you know, wholly owned by him and Margaret. Yes. Yeah. So um, so it probably makes sense for him now. He's going to go right. I'm going to bring him a series where it's. Uh, it's for him, but it's like he can do that. Whereas with with another author who maybe has has always just been relying on their own intellectual property or their own, uh, well, I don't want to say their own ideas, but you know their own um, deal with a publisher. Oh, phone call. I'm gonna press mute a second. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. So okay, Scott, and I, while, um, while we're at, I have, I have just one last one, and we can talk oh, about that real quick. Sure. It's a uh, it's another David Wellington um, that. Uh, Blackstone's been putting out a whole bunch of stuff by him. Um, picture of a very scary vampire lady on the front. <laughs> it's uh, called 23 Hours, A Vengeful oh, yeah. Vampire yeah. Tale um, by David Wellington. So he did 13 Bullets, 99 Coffins, and now uh, 23 Hours. Um, yes, uh, I, mean, I really need to try one of these. I'm, I'm about 97 it. more books in this series to fill, up, fill it up to 100. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Thirteen twenty three ninety nine. Yeah, interesting. A vengeful vampire tale. Yeah. It says. It says when vampire hunter Laura Caxton is locked up in a maximum security prison, the cop turned con finds herself surrounded by countless murderers and death row inmates with nothing to lose and plenty of time to kill. So yeah, I got nothing to lose. I'll, I'll, I'll do some killing. <laughs> <laughs> you bet. That's usually, you know, it's like I've ar- I've already uh I've already stubbed my toe. I might as well chop off the foot. That's right, cuz you got time. You got time to do that. You know, I got nothing else to do. Yep. Come on. <laughs> oh, um I, I got um I got uh I went to the comic book store twice in the last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, once I got a copy of the Count of Monte Cristo uh as a uh Classics Illustrated issue number 3. It's uh, number twenty second reprinting or something, but mm-hmm. I was going through that for our previous <clears throat> podcast. And um, while I was there, I bought a bunch of old old comics like Epic Illustrated and something called The Rook, which is an old uh, Curtis Publishing or Warren magazine from the nineteen seventies. You know, comic book you know, black and white with without any um, restrictions on content. I think. Um, that's pretty cool. I also got a copy of Unknown Worlds of Science Fiction, which I probably already own but haven't been able to find. Uh-huh. Um, that includes a copy of or uh, uh, an adaptation of Behold the Man by uh, Michael Moorcock. So un- Unknown cool. Worlds of Science Fiction is another graphic. It's a, yeah, it's a okay. Curtis comic magazine. It's like a, a full-size magazine with comics inside. Uh-huh. That's, that's pretty cool. But that's not the new stuff that I got. I got... Um, 
I got the latest Conan collection, uh, Black Colossus, mm-hmm. um, which I'm looking forward to reading. A uh, couple of copies of um, The Boys, the latest two trade trade paperback. That's uh, Garth Ennis' um, anti-superhero series. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's about a group of uh, British uh, dudes. <laughs> British dudes. Oh, and a French chick. No, a French guy. And, a, you know, it's a bunch of people. Uh, mm. Including, uh, 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 you know, it's a bunch of people, and they're all they're and they're working for the CIA, and their job is to uh, make sure that the superheroes don't take over the universe, mm-hmm. and um, the superheroes are all depraved and immoral. But um, it's it's a really funny series. The issue I'm reading is called, or the collection I'm reading is called Herogasm, which is a um, <laughs> really raunchy. Um, uh, explanation as to you know every summer uh, DC and Marvel put out a a series of um, you know uh, crossovers like you know Crisis on Infinite Earth or um, you know the latest uh, in Galactus has come to eat the planet so every superhero in the entire Marvel universe or the entire DC universe has to get together with every supervillain and prevent the Earth from being destroyed. Mm-hmm. And they do this every summer, right? <laughs> Basically, <laughs> it's a crossover way, way of making you buy comics uh, in from every every way. So if you like only Spider Man, well, Spider Man's in three or four other issues of every other comic, right? So you have to buy all those too. It's a it's a marketing ploy. Hmm. Um, well, the boys' universe takes it that, that the comics are actually just the marketing arm of real superheroes. And the superheroes mostly don't do anything other than look cool and sort of stand in for. They're like actors, right? Uh-huh. They don't, yep. but they have superpowers. So the boys are following uh, following the uh, superheroes to uh, Herogasm, which is the latest, um, uh, you know, crisis. And it turns out that uh, instead of going off to save the Earth like they say they are, they're actually going to a giant orgy in the middle of the Pacific. <laughs> Um, it's it's pretty funny. Well, that's cool. Yeah. Speaking of, super- I watched it. Oops, go ahead. Wait a second. I I only came in halfway through that, but I remember. Jesse, you sent me the review of that, didn't you? Oh, video. Yeah, yeah. Review. I sent you the video review of that. The, yeah, the, on YouTube. Yeah. So it took me. Well, I got off my. I, I finished on the phone now, but I came in halfway through that. Herogasm. <laughs> Herogasm. Yeah, I've been um, listening to um, that Barbara Tuckman book. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, reading or listening? Listening and reading. I've got them both. Um, but you know, take a little break from that. You know, I'm moving these water lines on the on the fields. Um, you know, every morning, so I've got some time. And mm-hmm. uh, anyway, it took a little break because you know I think you know I want to listen to them short. So I grabbed uh, from Graphic Audio. I got Batman Inferno, mm-hmm. which is a six-hour-long audio drama. Batman story by Alex right. Irvine. Yeah, it's based on a comic book, I think. Is it really? Okay, yeah. yeah. I didn't know if it was based, that's, that was my question. I didn't know if it was based on a comic or if it was a novelization or, or a novel that they had. But anyway, it's maybe it's a novelization really, that was really, really good. I've, I've got about an hour and a half left out of a six hour audio. Yeah, and, it says uh, Batman novel. Yeah, but it's, it's absolutely excellent. You know, it is a Batman story, so it has everything that you'd you know, expect. It's just probably 
one of the very best Batman stories I've ever heard. <laughs> Says uh, Alex Irvine is an assistant professor of English at the University of Maine. Oh, how about that? I think you talked about this on a previous podcast. I don't know if I did. I don't um, think so. Ah, yeah. or it might have been a different podcast. No, I can remember because I remember when I was walking around Istanbul. I remember listening to it. I can uh-huh. remember. I can remember where I was when I heard you talking <laughs> about the adaptation of this Batman. But maybe maybe it wasn't. Huh. Maybe it wasn't an audio, audio version. I don't know. Oh yeah, I, I don't read a heck of a lot of Batman. Um, yeah. But anyway, this is really excellent. It's very cool. well done. You know, it's got. You know, the, the first of all, it sounds terrific. You know, the the sound is just perfect um very well done the, the actors are first rate the the guy whoever it is who plays the joker is terrific i'm batman <laughs> that's right it's you isn't it it's you i knew it i knew it <laughs> uh, there's yeah. some uh, there's something wrong with the the voicing of batman that way uh-huh. uh and uh is it yeah i think so i thought it was quite cool the Christian Bale. <laughs> well, then again i'm not a comic book fan or anything like that i think i'm, I'm batman i'm batman <laughs> <laughs> No, yeah. I'm Batman. Um, <laughs> no, I'm Batman. Anybody can claim to be Batman. Well, yeah. In this in this book, uh, the Joker gets a hold of uh, Batman, one of Batman's suits, so gets to uh, you know. There's always doubt from the people on whether Batman's really good or not. So uh, the Joker's throwing gas on that fire in this one. You know, which is really, you know, another part of a typical Batman story. But like I well, said, Bruce it's... Wayne. Oh, spoiler! Or sorry. <laughs> is Batman warning. really good? He's a vigilante, and he's uh, he's yeah. fighting all the bad guys. But he's not. I don't think the you rules. can spoil anything about Batman. I don't think you can either. So it's impossible. Yep. And, uh, it's yeah, yeah. Very it's... well done. Very well done. I'll I'll get a review of that. I think graphic audio is really. I I was very skeptical about what they what they were trying to do when they first started, and that was a while ago, like maybe seven years ago. But um, you know, they really have carved themselves a very interesting niche in in the audiobook market. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's interesting, um, like with uh, Brandon Sanderson, like mm-hmm. Elantris. Um, Elantris comes out on audio from uh, recorded books, and then he was able to sell it again to Graphic Audio, um, mm-hmm. who creates. It's not an unabridged version. It's it's a you know, but it's still twelve hours long. I think. Um, yeah, I remember him saying something, or maybe I must have been an interview about it. Or uh-huh. I listened to that. I listened to his uh, writing excuses podcast. Right. Yeah, me too. Um, mm-hmm. So, so I think it was probably through there or something. Or I read an interview, and he, yeah, he's just said that like some like two groups or like these two different companies, came, you know, came to him and said, "Can we do an audio version?" Uh-huh. And he was like, yeah. And then someone else came and said, can we do an audio version? And he was like, well, these other guys have got it. And they're like, yeah, but we want to do one as well. And they're like, well, you've got to ask these guys. And they both, both companies seem to be happy both to do a, yeah, an audio, like a slightly different audio version. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what happened. I, I think that's really strange. How, uh, but one of them's like an, like an, like a, a, a full cast kind of audio thing, right. and the other one is just straight reading. Exactly. But, yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I don't think they're, I think the idea that, you know, you're going to, hurt the market by having more than one copy out there i think that's just bullshit because no i i think it's bullshit as well but i just find it really strange that companies would actually be happy to do that because i the, think you know conventional companies wisdom. realize that you know it's yeah. it, it it's not the the main thing is like cory doctor says is you know it's 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 obscurity, obscurity that kills you not not the fact that you know there's competition you know that somebody else is out there you know marketing your stuff because it's it, it, any marketing at all is great. Mm-hmm. 
because it gets the word out. And if somebody says, you know, your copy is really crappy, uh, there's another copy out there, that actually probably doesn't hurt you that much because at least people are going to have heard that and then they say, oh, well, I'm going to try it for myself. Yeah. Because it it doesn't change people's minds generally. Like you don't – you can't hurt a book by saying, you know, Twilight's for for stupid people. Um, That's not going to make stop people from reading it. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, just yeah, and I just I just looked disagree. it up, and it is um, the graphic audio version is 19 hours long, so it's got to be almost all there, um, even though it is you know sound effects, uh, full cast. I think it is. It's, it, it's a very different it's audio. Very, book. It's yeah. very close because uh-huh. the ones I've heard from them, they they sound like unabridged books, mm-hmm. uh, just with sound effects and and you know uh, in multiple actors. Uh, right. Because the the scene transi- transitions are exactly as they would be in a book, rather than you know, sort of glossed over in a in an audio drama. They tend to compress things, right? It yeah. doesn't feel compressed at all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this, you, this, did this, you the listen material to it? they choose? No, no I have not. Uh-huh. Uh, okay. Uh, no, I mean the audio production might be really great, but I, I after reading one of Brandon Sanderson's other books, I read Warbreaker and really enjoyed it. And then I read that, which was his first novel or his first published novel, and it was, just was terrible. I didn't finish it. I just got like halfway through, and it was infuriatingly bad. And so I, uh, I didn't, I didn't get to the end. Uh-huh. Uh, and it was a pity because you know, like because he released his other book as sort of Creative Commons, or you know, it was like as a, it yeah, was like he, he, I think he, he did that with. Yeah. He, so what he did was another one of these cool ideas where he would release a book. And and then it, when he finished writing it the first time, and then as he did another edit, he'd then release that edit, and then he'd do another edit and release that edit, and then finally he would release the you know the final book. Um, and I read the last available edit that was on his uh, on his website that he put up on his website. Really enjoyed it, and I thought, well, it works because next time I see his book, I'd probably buy one. And then I was you know in an airport in Miami or something, and I saw his book, and I was like, oh, I'll buy that. And I bought that, and I think Anathem at the same time, and. Uh, and thoroughly enjoyed Anathem and thoroughly was a bit depressed by how bad Elantris was. But, you know, I will probably read another one of his books, but I, I, the Warbreaker is a standalone book and Elantris was a standalone book and his other books are sort of like massive series or they're going to be a massive series, so I'm not quite sure. Yeah, he's, other, got, other he's got one coming out now, um, The Way of Kings, I think, and it's going to be the Yeah, but he but... says this is, this is going to be his Wheel of Time book uh-huh. this is going to be his uh his long like 12 book epic or something like that mm-hmm. which is yeah and not you're getting not the kind of thing i'm getting yeah. well i'm just not going to read it i mean well until you know not yet unless it gets some really you know everyone said oh this is just the best thing ever you got to read it right now but then again they said that about the game of thrones they've too, done so. warbreaker and uh elantris um but game of thrones was oh. kick butt i know you, you don't consider it as highly as i do but i absolutely love that book Mm, well, and- now this is the thing. I just got into a bit of a discussion on the Writing Excuses um, forum. Uh, this Actually, this can be my pick of the week there. Okay, so there we'll you go. All right. so, so the Writing Excuses, I think it's been one of your um, picks of the week. But the three guys who do it, and actually they've always got guests on, and it's always really entertaining, and it's short. And uh, they say, you know, just 15 minutes long because, mm-hmm. you know, you're in a hurry. Like, yeah, thanks. I am in a hurry. Get back I just- to writing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's what I guess they it's say. How I should be writing is it, the title was taken, right? Yeah, but this is writing excuses, like you're out of excuses, now go right. And yeah. it is really good. Now, what happened is, though, I, they, they do these um, these 
story idea workshops and they're great because they just say okay uh, here's a new story let's write a, let's make us get a story idea out of it was i i all i did was post on the uh, on the the blog post about it on the website somewhere i just said look it's great that you're coming up with these story ideas but they're ideas for the first half of a story or character ideas or cool settings and stuff but you you, you never even mention that a story has to have an end now uh, my um, mistake in this where, you know, and I got some flack back for it when I said a story has to have an end. And if you're going to do a, a story workshop, like coming up with like, a story idea, you've got to say how it might end. And people go, oh, no, the ending will work out. Uh, and this is what I think is is maybe that's what I didn't understand about it is that actually quite a few people don't mind a story without an end. Like, for example, game of thrones you get to the end of the book and there is some resolution there but generally the story meanders it there's not any straight line from one place to the other unlike mm-hmm. you know brandon sanderson's books the the uh, the, the Warbreaker book you, you can see that at the beginning they're going to do this and at the end it happens you know and there's lots of different ways that you can you know take that whereas with the game of thrones the stuff that happens at the beginning isn't even slightly important to the stuff that happens at the end because it just isn't. Yeah, you know, because it's a it, much it's a much bigger thing, though. It's gonna, you know. No, it's it not was... a much bigger thing. It really isn't a much bigger thing. It's just a more sprawling thing. Like, well, it's, it, it, yeah, it's... it is, it is. But yeah, that's part of the appeal of what epic fantasy is, in my opinion. You know, you've got yeah, exactly. It's like a... and that's what my mistake was, and that's why uh-huh. I got flack about it because I was having a discussion with people who write epic fantasy, like a book like The Wheel of Time, and everyone's raving on about that, and I really find it difficult to enjoy a, a story which isn't a story which doesn't have an end. Well, I um, think it's it's the people. Who who well, like not the even parts ex- of the Lord of the Rings where they were walking, you know? It's the well, it's yeah, the walking please. between Moria and uh, you know Rivendell that that makes. However, at the at epic all fantasy every point, epic, not no, the, not the actual point, visit to Moria or the visit to to the thing. It's it's the it's the walking, and that's why it's so long. Okay, let me ask this, Scott. In, in Lord of the Rings, in Lord of the Rings, at any point in the story, say after the first book, so once they know what the ring is and they know what they want to do with it, yeah. So is there anywhere uh, in the story where you don't know what the characters are aiming for and what they need to do to win and what they need to do to oh, lose? Certainly not. Certainly not. Okay. Yeah. In the Game of Thrones, is there any point in the book where you know what the characters want to do? Probably not, you know. But that's, <laughs> exactly, yeah. this is this is a big difference between the Lord of the Rings, which is epic fantasy, and between and 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 the Game of Thrones, which is also epic fantasy. Is that the Lord of the Rings has a through line that you know what the characters want at any time, and in, with the Game of Thrones, it really frustrated me that the ca- character would want something, and they'd want it for about three chapters, and then they'd just literally turn it's around. All and prologue. Go, See, hmm. that's yeah, what it, you don't it understand. It's like, all yeah. prologue. It's not that's story. What it like. Right, it, it, there's it story like, like elements, but like, yeah. like, um, you know, and that's like, another thing that guys say on the uh, on the. Uh, I think that's what they said in, in some previous podcasts on the writing excuses. It's like stuff happening does not equal story, and that's what they said about the the latest James Bond film. Was like, oh, a car chase. Oh, they going up in a plane. Oh, they do this. Oh, and a fight there. But just stuff happening doesn't mean that there's any story going on. As Eric uh, Rabkin pointed out to me, hmm. right. Um, yep. Pornography is not a st- is not a story because there's no conflict. Well, uh, this is not a novel because there's there is there is conflict. It's it's prologue. It's the prologue. It's like a display, you know, prior to the story unfolding, and that's why yep. you know you feel so dissatisfied. Uh, it's because they're all just maneuvering. They're just maneuvering. They're getting is, ready, it, and then it's, it's going to take it, off. And then there was this battle, and at the end of the battle, I didn't feel. It, 
that they'd even been, they'd actually achieved anything. You know, that they, they hadn't even, I mean, they'd achieved something, and I sort of could see where the book was maybe going or something, but then it's really difficult, because at the beginning of the book, I thought, oh, well, Bran, was it Brandon, the, the young kid? He saw this thing, and that's going to be really important, because he saw it, and now he has the secret. And then later on, somebody else works out the secret by themselves without, so it doesn't even, it's not even important anymore what he did and what he almost died for at the very beginning of the book and I thought that would actually be important and later mm-hmm. on it wasn't important and it just never is and nothing that was happening so I have the not book actually seemed... subscribed to this podcast or if I have I haven't added so I'm going to add oh, that a... my, my iTunes right now mm-hmm. it, is, it is worth listening podcast, to even if yeah. you're just interested in the story even if you're not interested in writing it's just it, it really helps for just enjoying fiction more and, and other ways and stuff like that okay. and also so there's one of these authors who is writing you know finishing off the, the wheel of um the wheel of unending wheel time, time or whatever yeah. that's called <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. and and then and then another one it writes a, a continuing series which is a which is a, a web comic so that doesn't really have an end or i mean mm. maybe there's different storylines have ends but then there's not a, a a resolution as well the other guy i've not read any of his work because i didn't yeah. dan wells, dan uh, wells uh, we, yeah. we've got a audiobook of it in hand somewhere right ah, yeah yeah i'm, yeah, I'm yeah, not yeah, a serial killer about- yeah is, yeah, did yeah, you send me that, uh, Scott? It's a kid's book, isn't it? So, um, I will. Uh, maybe. Send me a, a link of it. Oh, yes. Okay. Anyways, cool. so, so that's my pick. And if it, that's not my pick, I would say... Uh, no, I don't think I've got another pick. I've not really been... Oh, consumed. no, that's, that's good enough. Pick, yeah. Got a good pick? Mm-hmm. Scott, what do yeah, you got? Mine was Batman Inferno before. from Graphic Audio. Oh, okay. Cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, and your pick, you? My pick is uh, this great television show I've been watching... Old one, available on DVD from BFS Entertainment. Um, it's called The Sandbaggers. And it's from 1978 to 1980. Really unpopular. Apparently they, f- they, they can go three seasons, no problem in the UK, uh, being unpopular. But um, it's an amazing series, uh, hour long. And it's sort of continuous story, but it's, it's basically the real workings of the secret service in the uk um and you know it's a low budget show in that they you know they spend a lot of time indoors it's a shot on tape um and they spend a lot of time outdoors on location that looks fairly accurate i mean they go to malta they they go a few a few places to do their thing but it feels so realistic um you know they talk about how you know we're not james bond uh james bond doesn't have to fly coach back on the airplane you know, they get to fly out first class because they have to be ready for the job. But when they come back, they get to fly coach. <laughs> um, you know, they they go they go into you know this is the thing y'all I, I made me think about you know James Bond he shows up to a you know some exotic location and he's got all the gadgets right he's got a gun he's got and the room is always gun. available and the car that he wants is exactly, always there right uh, all that stuff right but the important part is how does he get that gun on that plane well. No, he doesn't. He picks it when he gets there. Right, but he he always has the same gun, the Walter Peak BK, right? Yeah, but he he'll just it, it, there'll be like a, a safety deposit box at the airport, and he'll just go along. But you don't well, need to see that because it, it, this is actually what how does quite it really enjoyed. work. The sandbaggers is about that. Is how does uh, it really work? And so what it is, they have they have a you know every embassy has a has a you know an operative a station guy right guy whose job it is to monitor the country's politics and make sure you know British interests are are aware of what's going on, and then when 
trouble arises, you know, there's a question as to what's going on, they send out a sandbagger, a guy who's basically 007, except there's three of them. When the show starts, there's three three guys whose job it is, you know, to be 007. And the show starts, so one of them dies. Uh, no, they get uh, cut back, so there's only two. <laughs> right. <laughs> so they, really realistic, they, yeah. Very realistic. And they rely on they rely on the American CIA for almost all their intelligence because the British government keeps cutting assets, you know, in different locations. They they cut the the Caribbean desk. Now there's nobody in the Caribbean. They, you know, they're they're in deep trouble there. But um, you know, how do you prevent? This is set in the you know late seventies, so there's still the big evil communists, right? The East, Eastern Europe and, you know, East Berlin, uh, you know, everything's still at play. So how do they do it? And this show is so realistic. I, I just was surprised that it was ever on television, um, given how realistic it is. But here's the funny thing, right? Ran for three seasons and uh, was cut short after the uh, cre- series creator, who uh, used to be a British naval guy, was... Uh, mysteriously killed and disappeared in uh, a boating accident. And so people are speculating that, you know, he was offed. Probably he just died boating, but um, the fact yeah, that... Yeah, who, who was that again? Some Ian McIntosh is the name of the... Oh, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The um, author, uh, or the uh, series creator. And... Uh, there's a Wikipedia entry that's rather extensive and detailed. There's a few websites out there, but um, I, I'm just about finished the series, and uh, I found out that there is a uh, comic book based on um, based on this, and I picked it, picked up the first issue and plan to read that shortly. Called Queen and Country, so by Greg Greg Rucka, who's a, a novelist now as well. Very excited about this show. You got to check it out. Very impressive. Is it science fiction? It's not science fiction, but we is do it fantasy? Espionage. espionage. <laughs> is it fantasy? Well, James Bond is fantasy. Is it audio? Yeah, uh, it doesn't have to be. See, on uh, other shows, now it's an, no, see, um, how it works on other shows, right? They they do a pick of the week, and it's a, an audible pick of the week. Our whole show is about audio. Uh, okay. So our other stuff doesn't have to be. Oh, okay. You understand? Yeah. <laughs> That's my explanation. Okay, like so my pick of... my life on the website. My pick of the week is... Um, you can have I, a restaurant down the street from your house. Yeah, I was actually about to say that there's a really nice pizza place near me. There you go. And, uh, and they show the football outside. So actually twice now I've gone and sat there for the second half of a football game just to eat the pizza. That sounds good. All right, we can watch Maybe, Argentina. But it was, Mexico. Actually, it was like over there any time now. Yeah, I'm going to go out juggling in a minute though. Right. Anyway, is that it then? That is. Thank you very much. Thank wow. You guys. I, I, the thing is, I love about this podcast is that you never leave on the ending. You always just go and yeah, so pizza, and then it'll just <laughs> the music will just kick in. I think that's it the ending right there. No, no, because the end will be now. It'll be me saying, "Is it fantasy though?" Uh, uh-huh. And then you'll be like, "No, it's all right. It can be anything." And then it'll just go. And then the music will come. Yeah. There you go. All right. But we'll have to see. This has been the SFF Audio Podcast. Please join us at www.sffaudio.com.